There it is. Oh no! What? What mixed emotions? How about how about a smile? Oh, that is the biggest lip. Oh no! How about a smile? How about a smile, Bubba? My buddy, yeah, what a good boy! Oh no! Now, any of you who are parents, you know what that's like. If you ever ever babysitting, babysat children, you know what that's like to try to get them uh, to wake up or to feed them and to be in the right place. But the interesting thing about that is. Um, that was all of us. That was every single one of us in this room. In fact, the reality is that's still all of us today. Faces filled with feelings that show up before the world, um, sometimes before we're even aware of it. Think about how you look in the different faces that you wear every day. Think about what your face looks like every morning when you get up and head off to work. And the difference that face has when you get up and begin the first day of your vacation at the beach. You know, two different faces. Think about um, how you feel during uh, tax season when you're filling out your uh, IRS uh, returns and you know you're getting money back. Versus how you feel when you have to fill them out and you know you're paying out. Think about the flaws that, that you miss in your spouse because you feel great and the greatness of those flaws when you don't feel good. Our emotions show up on our face. They show up in our lives. In fact, every day and almost every moment, you're feeling something. And it matters. It matters because feelings make up this, this kind of complex chain of events in our lives that matter. Feelings determine our moods, which eventually can go on and determine our motivations and shape our personalities. They matter because they can overwhelm us as well as motivate us. Uh, they can mold us to think too little of ourselves or too much of ourselves. Our feelings can determine how we relate to people, if we relate to them, whether we relate kindly or carelessly. But most of all, they matter because God has given them to us. God has given them to us because God created us in his image. And God is emotional, just like we are emotional. God has given us feelings so that we can more fully relate to him. Now I want you to just think about that for a minute because I think most of us, when we pray to God... Or when we think of God, we, we kind of view God as sort of like this Spock character on Star Trek. No emotions. And so when we cry, we think, you know, God, God doesn't get that or he doesn't really understand. Or if, if, if we're upset or nervous or fearful that, that he doesn't have a handle on, on us in anguish, we look at God as a person who is just a-emotional. And we get, forget the fact that the emotions that we have have been given to us from God because he created us in his image. When you study the scriptures, <clears throat> you see it all over the place. God's love, God's mercy, God's anger, 
God's longing for his people. God's hatred, God's sorrow. Every emotion (coughs) that you and I feel, we feel them because they come from God. And God has given us those emotions so that as we relate to him, we might relate fully to him. I mean, that's, that's part of the problem we can have as we look at God is if we don't bring our emotions to, the, to our relationship and understand that, that he brings his emotions to that relationship, we miss him. Now, here's the thing. So if God created us with emotions, why do they feel like such a burden to us? I mean, why do we have to go on this roller coaster, it seems like, in life where we can get up and feel good one moment and the next moment have someone say something and and feel badly or or just think of something and all of a sudden it can ruin our day or those feelings can can mount up and begin to to shape our moods if emotions are given to us by god if our feelings are given to us by god then why do they seem like such a basket case why do they make us feel like a basket case well this morning we're going to begin a series called um, Emotions, What Do You Do With Them? Or Feelings, What Do You Do With Them? Because most of the time, we don't know what to do with them. If you look at the culture that we live in, it's not much help to us. Our, cult- our culture is about as emotionally immature as you can get. Because our culture doesn't know what, what exactly to do with feelings. And so uh, we either run from them or we drown ourselves in them. Um, we distort them or we medicate them. But we end up growing up in our culture as emotionally immature people. Elizabeth and I were, one morning we were sitting up, uh, just sitting in the living room uh, having breakfast and and watching TV, trying to get the news. And uh, it was, I think it was ABC, it doesn't really matter. And they were just kind of, it was a commercial, and they were running down a list of all of their shows and sitcoms and everything else. And I looked at them, and I, did, I just felt ill, because I thought, is this who we are? Are we this emotionally immature? You would, you would think that an irrational culture, you would put together programs that are intellectually mature, spiritually mature, emotionally immature. And yet the reality is it was, it's a reflection of who we are. Now, let me just start from talk about emotions. People say, well, what do you mean by that? Now, I'm going to give a little definition here for a second, and um, it probably will make it more confusing because in one sense people who study emotion um, it's more complex than what you think we're going to bring it down to earth because God brings it down to earth but when we talk about emotions I just want you to keep three basic definitions in mind and Andreas if you can pop those up there Uh, first there are moods uh, or excuse me, emotions themselves, the term we use, we use it interchangeably with feelings. But emotions are the chemical release in response to a, an event triggered. And so all of a sudden, let's say I walk into a room and I, 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 I see something or somebody that, that I've had a bad experience and all of a sudden emotionally, chemically, something goes off and, and, I, and I feel a jittery, that's emotion in its raw sense. Feelings. Feelings are subjective mental associations to emotions. And so I feel basically based on an interpretation that goes in my mind. So if I see Dawn and um, I know that Dawn is, uh, 
Don's coming to my house to bring me breakfast, and the minute I see him pull up, I, I start to feel good. I see Darlene, and I owe her money, and she pulls up to my house. I feel bad. Because there's an association that automatically connects with me chemically. Um, moods. The, moods are uh, they're less intense than feelings, but what happens is over time, as, as we de- de- experience different emotions, different feelings, they begin to build into moods. That's why we can look at people and say, well, well you're pretty moody. But if you look at what's going on in their lives, what they're feeling, the distress that maybe they've gone through for a period of time, you can understand why their moods are where they are, good or bad. Um, one of the reasons it matters to us as the church is because for years and years, the church didn't deal with emotions. Because it was believed that if you, know, if you deal with emotions, you're really just going to encourage people to elicit their passions and to engage in bad behaviors. And so the mindset was, it doesn't matter what you feel. Just believe and do. The problem with that is, it's not what God wants. And what it produces in the end are people who are just shallow, who are shut down, and who are distant. People who can't rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And the problem comes when problems come and people don't know how to express how they feel. And they're afraid to express it because the other people around them either don't want to hear it or view it as weakness. What happens in the church, and I've seen it over, is we have people who end up, when they hit a problem emotionally, and they don't understand that, that it's in our emotions and our problems that God can relate to us more powerfully than we could imagine that people begin to just become distant from God. They walk away from their faith. Or they just, they fake it. You know, they put on that face for Sunday morning, they go to church, they, they kind of white-knuckle everything, they say hello to people, but they just want to get out of the church because they think, you know, I got all this stuff going on inside of me and, and, and you people are reminding me how I shouldn't feel things. But I, and so they end up just faking it. Or they just end up, Becoming angry and judgmental and even mean. Have you ever met Christians who were mean? Just nasty, week after week, and you think, what is their problem? Why are they so judgmental? Why do they seem so angry? Emotional maturity is being able to engage in emotions that bring us closer to God, to who he wants us to be, and bring us closer to others. In fact, emotional maturity for us as believers in Christ, it's a necessity. We are called to become emotionally mature. Or otherwise, we'll never know how to relate properly to God and moreover we won't be able to relate properly to people around us we'll be people who are either awkward or distant or shallow or insensitive people who will end up being hurtful people who will have all the right verses and will know how to fake all the Christian behaviors and at the end of the day will feel empty inside Emotions matter. 
If, if you grew up in my day and, and with probably the tail end of my generation and my parents' generation, emotions were something that only weak people engaged in. But the problem is they engaged in all sorts of other things like alcohol, affairs. They engaged in, in violence because if you don't feel it, you'll act it out. And you'll miss who God is trying to make you to be as a person. This morning, we're, we're going to begin this series and, and I'm going to try to make it so that each week we, we, we get a better grasp of how to relate maturely to God so that we can ma- relate maturely to others. We're going to look at a passage this morning. It comes from um, 1 Samuel and we're gonna, chapter 18. Now let me, let me kind of fill you in. I'll give you some background on this. Um, this is right after little David slays Goliath. Most of you remember the story. Y'all got it in Sunday school. Goliath was this kind of big giant on the Philistine side and basically came out before Israel as they had their battle lines drawn and said, hey, look, find anyone who can stand up to me and if they can and subdue me, then we will submit to the nation of Israel. And so little David is brought forward when everyone else is afraid or fails and he triumphs. Now, <clears throat> David had been anointed by God to take the place of the present king. The present king was the first king of Israel, Saul. Saul was anointed by God to be the king of Israel. Because the people of Israel kept crying out, we want a king. We, we want to be like all the other nations. We want a king to rule over us and direct us. We want to be like everyone else. They felt that somehow they were inadequate with just God. Well, in doing so, they sinned. Because what they were saying is, that, God, it's not enough for you to lead us. We need a person so that we can become feel emotionally attached to and complete. And so God gave them a king, the first king, Saul. And it wasn't a good thing. In fact, God gave them a king basically to, to answer their request in a way to show them that you think you know better than me. I'll give you a king. But in the end, you won't like it. And so king is the first, so Saul is the first king of Israel. And once he becomes king, he goes south really quickly. I mean, when you read about Saul, what you read about is a guy who is given power and then it all becomes about him to the point that he forgets about God. And not only forgets about God, but tries to circumvent God. It takes God's instructions and then reinterprets them according to his own emotions, what he feels, what he wants. And it's in a short time that God sends Samuel to him. Samuel was a, a priest who had ministered to Saul, was there with Saul, had anointed Saul, and now goes to Saul and says, it's over. God is removing his anointing from you, and he's giving it to another. But he doesn't tell Samuel exactly who that person is. So that's where we find it. David has just slayed Goliath, and this is what we read. David had finished talking with Saul. Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Now, let me just finish. Just say one thing. If you go back to uh, chapter 17, you don't have to do this. It says that after winning battles, uh, uh, Saul would 
collect mighty men, uh, people who were brave, who were, who were um, victorious in battle, and he would collect them for his own protection. And so that's why he grabbed David. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Now, what's the difference? Saul takes David because David's an asset to him. He looks at David as an object that he can use to bring about his protection and bring about the security of his kingdom. How does Jonathan look at David? Jonathan becomes one in spirit with David and he loved him as himself. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit. What does that mean? It means that Jonathan connected with him. That as they begin to do life together, as, as Jonathan listened uh, to David talk with Saul and understand who he was and what he believed, they just became one. He saw in David something that just rang true in his heart and mind. And because of that, he fell in love with him. And in and, and the best sense of the word, his emotions were raised. He became loyal. He became committed to him. Let's go on. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. So what do you see going on with, with Saul? It's pure selfishness. Kid's a great leader. I'm going to take him out of his family, and I'm going to take him as my own. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic. And even his sword, his bow, and his belt, whatever mission... Now, let me just stop there. So what do we see? What's a covenant? A, a covenant is an action that comes out of conviction. A, a, a covenant is an agreement for two people to walk together. David takes because David's selfish. I mean, excuse me, Saul takes because Saul is selfish. Jonathan doesn't take Jonathan looks at David for who he is. He connects with him. He loves him and he makes a covenant with him. Jonathan doesn't take from David. Jonathan gives to David because that's what love does, right? Love doesn't take, love gives. Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. Now listen to this. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. Now, if you were to go back and look at the history of Saul, everything Saul does, he does for his own security. In fact, uh, in one of his battles when he defies the Lord, he did it because he said, this will, it, I did it to please my troops. I did it to please my officers. So uh, motivation for Saul is he's a guy who, he lives in fear. He tries to please everyone, but he does it also because he just wants to get what makes him feel safe and secure. Now, <clears throat> when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. Why? If I'm, if I'm king and I got one of the best warriors around who has my back and who is victorious in the battles that I send him to, in the battles that he comes, why would I be displeased 
to see him lifted up. If I believe that all of this is because God is on our side, Saul doesn't. He becomes angry. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but with me only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. So what happens? Saul becomes jealous, and now he looks at David as a threat, and he keeps a close eye on him. And we finish with this. The next day, an evil spirit came from God forcibly on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre. Now let me give you a little bit of uh, information on that. When Saul had finally turned away from God, and when Samuel had made it clear that he was no longer God's anointed, God sent an evil spirit to torment Saul, basically in part to break him and in part to prepare him for David. So what Saul did was this. He sent out word. He said, find me somebody who can come and who can give me comfort in the midst of my turmoil. Well, who did they find? David. Because David would come and he would play his instrument in a way that would calm Saul down and the spirit would go away. Now, it wasn't that he played and the spirit went away. God orchestrated it all. But look at what happens now. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it saying to himself, I will pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. So what do we see? His emotions... His feelings get to the point that now he's throwing spears, trying to hurt the very people who love him and are loyal to him. Now, went through that fast because I want you to look through it at a lens. There's a principle I want to share with you that you, you, we're going to look at and we're going to carry it as we go forward. And the principle is this. Emotions are to reveal what we think, not rule how we live. Emotions are to reveal what we think, not rule how we live. What happened with Saul? His emotions ruled how he thought. And it just made a mess. It's what makes it a mess for you and I every day. Because what ends up up happening is we end up with out-of-control emotional expressions or out-of-control emotional repressions. Either we express ourselves in a way that is just totally out of control or we repress and hold in and try to over-control everything around us. See, the deal is this. Whatever you feel, it's okay. But you got to understand that what you feel is just simply to reveal what's going on inside of you. It's not to rule it. How many times have you talked to somebody about some behavior that they're engaging in and they say, well, that's just the way I feel about it. You know, God wouldn't want me to not feel good about who I am or about what I'm doing. We live in a world today where we talk about tolerance, but tolerance is not that we agree to leave each other alone, but it's you've you've got to embrace what's going on with me because if you don't, then I'll feel bad. And if I feel bad, that's just wrong. You can't do that. Because my feelings are God. Think about yourselves. How many times do you let your feelings rule who you are as a person? 
your spouse says something and, and you're not sure how they meant it, but it triggers you and so all of a sudden you just become cold or you say something hurtful back to them. You become fearful of something that you hear. Maybe your company's laying off people and all of a sudden you say, you know what, I, I gotta start looking for another job. Or I have to start becoming more productive and more competitive about the, around the people around me so that I'll rise to the top and, and they'll spare me. Think of all the ways that we can let our emotions rule us instead of just reveal to us what's going on inside of us. It's huge. I've had people over the years get mad at me over things that just, I, I, I was dumbfounded about it. I had someone say to me years ago, I stopped going to church because you don't care. I said, what do you mean? Last Saturday, I was in the mall. You walked right by me. They felt hurt. And so because they felt hurt by me, therefore, I don't want anything to do with you because you hurt me. We do that all the time. We do it in all sorts of little ways. And we ruin relationships. We ruin our relationships with God. We ruin our relationships with others. We end up putting ourselves in situations where, where we become basket cases. Because whatever I feel becomes reality. And that's the problem with Saul. All of a sudden, Saul was given power by God. He was given a kingdom. And he thought, it's mine for my purposes. And now that I have my own kingdom, I've got to do whatever I need to do to protect it. See how distorted it God made him king over Israel. In fact, God had made it clear. If you and the king obey, then I'll be with you. But if you don't, I won't. And yet somehow Saul missed it. And all he heard was, Saul, you're being given a kingdom. And right away he must have thought, well, sure. I get it. Who else should be king? And all of a sudden it came about him and not about God. How do you avoid this from happening in your lives? How do every day as we live? Because I guarantee you this. Your emotions are getting in the way every day in how you relate to God and how you relate to others. They are, we're not aware, you know, that little kid sitting there cooing, I mean, you know, you look at him and, you know, and, 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 and the dad who just sounds goofy, but anyways, is getting this kid to change his emotions, but the truth is, some of us are just that easy. For some of us, it doesn't take much because of our experiences that have shaped our moods, that have shaped our personalities, that it doesn't take much that if someone even says something jokingly, we get offended. Some of us just go out and say things to people that we should never say because we think it's funny, but we've never learned empathy for other people. So how do we make sure that emotions 
reveal what we think, but don't rule over what we think. Number one, the willingness to be able to be in touch with your emotions, that you label them, that if you feel something, you look at it and say, this is what I'm feeling. So if, if I see Wayne, and, and all of a sudden I find that, you know, I, I don't really want anything to do with Wayne. I don't really, I don't really like Wayne. Wayne's offensive to me. I need to look and say, all right, this is what, when I'm around Wayne, I feel this way. When, when, when I think about going to work, I feel this way. When I think about risking or giving or serving, I feel this way. You got you to know what it is. Most people don't ever stop to even look at what they're feeling. They feel it and they act on it. It's called emotional immaturity. The inability to have insight to, this is what I'm feeling. But you don't just look at it and label it. Secondly, you put that up there under Look at the facts behind it. Is it real? All of a sudden, something bad happens in my life, and the first thing I think, the first thing I feel is what? Alone. Scared. Helpless. Conclusion, God's abandoned me. Right? Because I had a belief system that I'm special, bad things won't happen to me, and so when they do, therefore God must have abandoned me. Now how do I feel about God? I don't want anything to do with him. How do I feel about his people? I don't want anything to do with them. Unless I'm willing to look at all the facts and ask the hard question, is this really so? What could the other possibilities be? Let me, let me just ask you, do you do that? When you feel something, do you step back and say, okay, I'm feeling this towards this person or towards God, but is it real? What could the other possibilities be? And, and the willingness to not fill in the blank, if you can't honestly look and see all the possibilities. There are times that we have to say, you know what, I don't know. And so I'm not gonna act on what I feel when I don't know all the possibilities here. I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know what's going on with God. Maybe I look and I re realize the reason I'm feeling this stuff is I'm just kind of projecting my own junk on somebody else. A friend, Dan Kinney, um, who I really appreciate in this, I think I've told you this, Dan will get angry at somebody, and then as he's spewing it all out, he'll say to me, and you know what really bugs me? He reminds me so much of me. That's the way it should be. All of a sudden, the light goes on, we realize what I'm really bugged about is I do that. We have to look at the facts because oftentimes, we project our stuff on other people and get repulsed. But it's really about us. Label what you feel, look at all the facts. Number three, lean on God's ways. Proverbs three, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and he will make your path straight. What does that mean? It means that when I'm feeling something, I acknowledge what I'm feeling. Do you know, Saul never once got on his knees before God and said, look God, I'm sorry. I messed up. 
Just use me as you want to use me. In fact, you know what? If your anointing's on David, then let me step down. Let him take over. God, I'll serve him because I'm happy to serve you. But he, he didn't do that because his frame of reference was this. It's all about me. If your frame of reference in life is it's all about you, man, you are going to have a tough life because it's not all about you. God loves you. And God has made it clear in his son. But it's not all about you. It's all about you when you make it all about him. So I, I, I lean on God's ways. When I look and I say, you know what, I don't agree with this. I was talking to a person a little while ago and he was talking about you know, being in his Bible study struggling because the issue of homosexuality came up. And um, some of the people were really passionate in the sense of, well, you know, it's not us for the, uh, uh, up to us to judge and, 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 you know, God loves them and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and he knew that these people had, were, had relationships with people, were related to people in the lifestyle. And so he understood that there was pain there, that they were, they were just trying to cover up by just smoothening it out. And, and we do that all the time. You know, we look at what we want or what's going on in our family and we kind of push it under the rug and, and put the God is love thing on it and we seal it and we say it's okay. And he knew, I, I gotta say something. Not that I want to say something, but, but it's not true. And even though saying it is going gonna, is gonna to make me feel awkward and make them feel angry, at the end of the day, this is the deal. Because I lean not on my own understanding. I lean on God's. There are all sorts of things in the Bible I wish I didn't have to deal with. Tons. You know, just live and let live. But that's not living, and that's not loving. And so there are those times that I can look and say, you know, God, I, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with it. I don't like it. But at the end of the day, that's where I land because you have to have a frame of reference. If your frame of reference isn't God, if your frame of reference isn't God's word, then, you, then what is true and real will become subjective to you. And you'll be like David trying to hold on to a little bit of uh, Saul, trying to hold on to a little bit of God. And a lot of you... And then wondering, in the end, why isn't it working out? Why is my own son turning against me? Because we'll see that a little bit later. Not fully. Thinking that the, the guy who is my greatest warrior, why is he out to get me when he's not out to get me? You see, if I, if I just lean upon God, he'll make it straight. What I don't even understand, I'll understand later. I can't tell you how many times. I've been here 25 years. There, were, there have been times when I've wanted to say something to somebody and I've thought, you know, if they bring it up again, I am going to blast them. I'm, so, I'm sorry. And yet every time I could, I could feel God's spirit inside of me, God's voice speaking to me saying, don't do that. There's something bigger at play here. Your love, your care, and this doesn't matter. The willingness to say, you know what, this is what I feel, I'm gonna be honest about it. And I'm gonna look at, is this real? And if I can determine, no, it's not real, and I know this isn't how God would have me to act, and then I don't act that way. But if I look at the facts and I still say, you know, but, but God does love these people. And they're sinners just like us. 
but it's still sin. And just like us, if, if we don't repent, if we don't look to turn away, then just like us, we lose the salvation that Christ came to bring us. Lean on God's ways. And, and fourth, sorry, that should say four. Learn what God would have you to learn. Because here's the thing. In every emotional experience that's significant, in every emotional encounter that's significant, God is growing you and maturing you emotionally. Why is being an alcoholic or a drug addict problematic? Well, a lot of reasons. But the biggest reason is this. If I start drinking or drugging at 13 and I quit at 30, guess what? Emotionally, I'm 13. Why? Because whenever it came time for me to be involved in emotional situations that were difficult for me to deal with and learn how to deal with them in a way that are emotionally mature, I ran into a bottle. I grabbed a needle. And so I just killed my own emotional growth. What does God want? God wants people who are intellectually mature, who are socially mature, who are spiritually mature, and who are emotionally mature. And you can't have one without the other. You can't talk about mourning with those who mourn and rejoicing with those who rejoice, sounding like spark from Star Trek. It doesn't work. Either the emotion's there or it's not there. And the more I mature emotionally, the more I learn through my experiences, when I'm around other people, I'm going to relate to them and I'm going to want to engage them in a way in which they know I feel what they feel. I've gone through it. I care. Because you can't connect any other way. And that means, yeah, I'm willing to be vulnerable because I'm willing to be real. I'm willing to say what I feel and yet let only what I feel reveal what I think, not rule how I live. And if you do that, then you'll walk with God in a way in which you can fully engage with him and in a way in which you will better engage with others. Think about all the divorces that wouldn't happen if people could control their emotions. Think of all the murders that wouldn't have happened if people could have controlled their emotions. Think of all of the people who could have gone on to greatness and given us greater ideas for our society if they could have controlled their emotions. Think of all the fear averted. Think of all the people that could have been witness to. You see, our emotions do matter. It's how we connect with people. Imagine just talking to people, facts, back and forth, back and forth. How did your spouse win your heart? By facts? Here's my resume. Read it. Tell me what you think. How do I feel about you? I think you bring some good things to the table. Oh, it grabs you. Imagine relating to your kids without any emotions. See, people 
They only know our love when we express it in word and in deed. And I can't express love unless it touches my heart and it motivates my actions because the word emotion really means to stir up, to bring motion. As you go forth this week, I want you to be thinking about this. When you start to feel something, see how quickly it begins to rule what you do next. And then if you can catch it, see how far from God it could have brought you if you continued in that direction. Think about what you believe and ask yourself, do I believe this because I've really taken the time to look at this? Or do I believe this because it was a feeling that I turned into a reality? I work with people who every day believe nothing good's going to happen. My life is horrible. And tomorrow will just be horrible. Have you ever met people like that? And you think, what happened to them? A bunch of things that they just felt and made reality and over time it set the framework of how they look at the, the world. When you say you're a Christian how do you feel about that? And does it show up in how you live? Let's pray.